So what's up folks, welcome to another episode of the UI Buzz podcast and video log. In this episode, I'm going to talk about my experience with the Godot game engine. So I have been working with this now, and I want to start by saying I, I started from nothing, knowing nothing other than this was a game engine, right? So I have collectively, I think I've used it for about seven or eight hours in total now. And I want to give some thoughts to what I like, some things that I didn't understand and, and that kind of thing. So first of all, why am I doing this? Well, as I'd said before, you know, it's always good to try out multiple tools to always have options open. And the Godot engine is, is one, of the, one of those game engines that I was always curious about because so many people use it, so many people like it. Of course, it's essentially license-free, it's open source, um, but I always urge folks, you know, support your tool makers, as I've said before. But one of the things I wanted to do with this was do like I've done with the other engines, right? Like I did with Unreal Engine and Unity, which is to rebuild my sprite kit-based game that I have on iOS. Now, the interesting thing here, of course, is I just like Unreal and Unity, I can publish to multiple platforms. That is an immediate payoff right there, right? And as I've expressed in other episodes and on my compulsive podcast, SpriteKit's frustrating to work with, very frustrating. And it's not really a game engine so much as it is more of a framework. And I'll put some links in the show notes to, to, to various episodes and things that I've done to explain my thoughts on that. But this was another good reason why I wanted to try the Godot game engine. And very quickly, I decided, okay, the best way for me to experience this engine is come at it from the perspective of knowing essentially nothing. What I mean by that here is using the built-in tools and features and everything else and discovering their benefits, their limitations, all of that kind of stuff. So for example, I went with GDScript, right, as my programming language of choice. You can use C++ and, you know, of course, others, and there are plugins to support other ones. Uh, of course, for me, something I will look at is the Swift binding option is in there to use the Swift programming language which is very interesting to me, obviously, being that that's kind of my primary driver from day to day. And if I can write Swift, maybe with a little inconvenience, but if I can write Swift in Godot, hey, that's perfect for me. I got the, a good engine and I can use my language of choice. But for now, I went with GDScript so I could understand it. So let's go through this. So I'm rebuilding my Endless Hurdles game. It's a very simple, straightforward 2D infinite scroller. The player, very limited options for controls. You only really need to jump over things. So that kept the control side of things simple as far as input. Being 2D means there is less concerns for me for you know having to deal with the, the, the space, the global space within the game. And also just dealing with 2D sprites and, you know, textures, materials, that kind of thing. So I dived in. Now, I decided that I would use the assets that I'd already created for the Sprite Kit version to keep life simple, right? Didn't need to rebuild those. The resolution and everything else was good enough. And the first thing I liked about the Godot engine is you just put everything in a bunch of folders as far as assets, right? You lay them out in a bunch of folders on your file system, Windows, Linux, Mac, whatever. I went with Mac just because, right? But you, you can organize the, everything in these folders and 
Godot keeps itself up to date as far as indexing that and where things appear. So that's nice. The next thing that struck me was I had to adapt to my brain, right, to to the idea that everything is a node. In other languages and in other engines, for example, Swift, SpriteKit, that kind of thing, you have this idea of I have a node and then I attach a bunch of things to it or I manipulate a bunch of stuff on that node. Same with Unity, right? Um, and for that matter, Unreal Engine, right? There's a bunch of stuff. You apply and add it, attach it to that node, but it is still part of that node. Took me a while to wrap my head around the idea that in Godot, everything's a node. So you have a node within a node. So for example, if you've got, let's just say a button, right? You could put a graphic in there and there are multiple ways to do this, but you can essentially just add a 2D sprite node, add an image to that node, and then that is now part of the button node. So you can end up with these very long, visually looking complex trees. But once it snapped in my brain that, okay, just think of the root node and then in there is something, a player. And in that player node is a, another node for the animated sprite graphic. There may be a collision area, a hitbox, those kind of things. So I think you get the idea. They're all nodes within the player node. Once that registered in my brain, it's good to go, fantastic. And I can just drag new nodes or add new nodes to something and, and keep working with it that way. Same with the scripts. Now, this was an interesting one because you add a script in a different way to a node, but you can add it to any. So once I got that, I was like, okay, now I've got this blank script, mostly blank script, and work with that. So it took me a little while to remember to think about it that way because I kept looking around for like, how do I write a script and attach it? Well, then I remembered, oh, it's up here on top of the thing. You're adding a script to the node and click the button, right? Yes, I'm sure there's other ways, but again, I'm just embracing the ways built in to the Godot engine. And then it opened up the script and then GD script is very much like Python is the best way for me to describe it, I guess, right? So spacing is, or tabs, is critical. And the interesting thing about that is I do like in the editor, the built-in editor, if you have a mixture of spaces and tabs, it solves that that holy war of problem for you. You can't have both. You can do it, but it's going to keep reminding you. Hey, you've got a mixture. Pick one. I went with tabs. And that's interesting because anytime you get code from somewhere, say Stack Overflow, whatever, and you paste the code in, if it spaces, immediately it's going to go, hey, whoa, there, they, these are spaces and you're using mostly tabs or, or tabs in and everything else within the script. But that's a nice little reminder. One of those things that is like, good, this is, this is forcing me to adopt a good practice of go with one, stick with it. So I like that. A lot of Godot is about the little things um, that make it nice. The other thing is it has a lot of inbuilt functions within the script for sensible things. Now, what I mean by that is every time I tried to solve a problem, and I did these on live streams, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, folks in the chat room were very helpful. Shout out to you all for helping me adapt what I wanted to do into how it works in Godot. But where possible, I was trying to look at it and say, okay, I know I need to achieve this thing. I know I need to have, if this 
object collides with this object or things like that. And Godot has this wonderful way of having very sensibly named functions within the engine or language, whichever way you want to call it. And these are great for essentially just looking at going, oh, that, that's the thing I need, right? No very cryptic name that you have to then research in the documentation for hours and hours to understand what it means. They're very sensibly named. I loved this. This this helped me move along so quickly, right? I mean, I am now, whatever I said, six or seven hours into this collectively, time-wise, and rebuilt most of the basic game already. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I'm blown away by it, by how... Um, sensible it is to work with and how straightforward it is to work with. Now, again, it does require some adaptation if you are used to other game engines or programming languages. And all I can give you is my advice of embrace the way it wants you to do things rather than trying to make it do it the way you've done it in the past with other platforms. That's just my suggestion. I think you'll have a quicker transition like I have in there's all of this to say that I'm continuing to move forward with this as my 2D engine of choice right now for rebuilding the game because I wanted to have better options, easier options to work with for expanding the game as it goes forward. And Sprite Kit, like I say, is just an exercise in frustration. Even though I'm very familiar with Apple's platforms for development, it, it's not, like I say, it's not an engine. And I don't want to get into this build an engine to build my game. I just want to build my game. Now, there are some quirks right now, as I understand it, my limited understanding as far as publishing to iOS platform and that kind of thing. I'm using Godot 4. I think it's like 4.1.1 or something like that, whatever the current production version is. And I, as I understand it, there are some limitations right now. The Go, the 4 engine doesn't you can't use C++ or something like that to publish to mobile it's just not part of it yet they're working on it so there are some gotchas there but hey there's hundreds of people working on this engine and I have found it to be super stable super reliable and I'm just really impressed with it so in this episode really I just wanted to put those out there to say if you've thought about it and you're not sure Take the deep dive. Go for it because it's a lot easier to work with if you are someone who's used to programming already and game making and, and thinking about things like that. If you're just getting started and brand new to it, I also think it's a good one because there's lots of fantastic resources and everything else out there. You, If you're making a 2D game, you don't have to deal with this issue of, say, for example, Unity but in particular Unreal Engine, where it's 2D in a 3D world, you can literally just make 2D views and deal with the X and Y, right? As opposed to the X, Y, and Z. For folks just getting started, I really think it's a good option. One other thing I should mention there, the coordinate system, X and Y, does start in the top left corner, where you will find some other platforms like SpriteKit, for example, they start in the bottom left so you have to adapt your brain to thinking of things like that for plus and minus on your coordinate systems but again once you get used to it you're, you're doing it without even thinking about it also worth mentioning 
Building UI systems in Godot is a lot simpler than some of the other ones from the perspective of it's just there and you bring it in again. It's a, you, what I do is I break them down, build a separate file for the UI and I bring that in as a node and that's maintainable in its own space and, and everything else. Just some thoughts in this episode. Just wanted to put those out there just to update you on what I'm doing and, and what I've been working on, where I'm going to be working on things for probably next few months on there, on the game side. <laughs> also want to mention that I've just literally today pushed to the store the new version of the Endless Hurdles game on iOS. So this is the Sprite Kit version. Version 1.1 is now out there in the store. That has the brand new Halloween event, which I spent a lot of time working on. Also a lot of time on the marketing side of things. Um, really went to town on it a bit more. Every time I release a new patch, I want to push things further. And so that's out there. That event will automatically activate and deactivate itself. So if you play the free game, and again, put a link in the show notes, between October 12th and November 15th, if you play the Halloween version event, it will unlock for you forever. Simple as that. doesn't cost you nothing or anything like that. It'll just register and as being played and stay unlocked after the event. If you don't play it during the event, the button will disappear and after November 15th. And I won't be there for you. Simple as that. So my advice, download the game, play at least one, you know, attempt at the Halloween version and it stays unlocked for you. That's it, folks. That's what I've got in this one for this devlog and, and podcast episode. If you've got any thoughts on this or if you want to come talk to me about the Godot game engine, love for that to happen. I am very invested in this subject at the moment, as you can imagine. With that, I will see you or speak to you in the next episode. You can find everything at uibuzz.com where you can follow this podcast. Of course, you can reach out to me at peterwidham.com. See you later.